Hey everybody, this is Brother Paxton. I want to welcome you to the program again today. This is August 5th of 2021. And today I want to have you turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Daniel. Uh, what we're going to talk about today is Daniel's 70th week and some reasons for the Great Tribulation. Now, let me clarify a few things here at the beginning today. We're going to begin in Daniel chapter 9, and throughout the message, I'm going to be giving you uh, alternate scripture references that you can look up on your own. So you may want to download this program, and uh, so you can go through and pause it and look up the scripture. However you study, you might want to do that for this particular program. Also, we are not going to... Um, teach about the Great Tribulation. We're going to talk about some reasons why it's going to happen, uh, not necessarily what's going to happen during the Tribulation. That'll be for another message uh, at another time. Also, I want to make everyone aware that while I'm doing these programs, I don't, obviously, I, I can't talk and read my Bible and look at my notes and answer the chat. So I, I don't do this really for chat. I do this so that we can all study the word of God together. So with those things having been said, let's take a look in Daniel chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 24 through 27. I'm reading today from the King James Version of the Bible. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, now, notice who they're talking to. They're talking to Daniel's people. Daniel was a Jew. Daniel was an Israelite, okay? Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war Desolations are determined. Verse 27 says this, uh, as we conclude with our text. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Father, I ask you to help me to give this material today, Lord, with boldness, with clarity, and with accuracy. Father God, open up your word to us that we can see a picture of what you're trying to say from this passage of Scripture and the others which we will look at. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, we want to begin by looking at this maybe a little different way than I would preach this message. Uh, if, if I were to be giving it as a sermon, I might uh, handle this material a little bit differently. But I really want to try to get as much information to you as I can so that you can study uh, through this section of Scripture with a greater understanding. The expression 70 weeks, where it says, 70 weeks are determined upon that people, literally means 77s of years. If, if days were meant, it would be so expressed uh, the way Daniel did it in Daniel 10, 3. 
Daniel's prayer, to which this vision was an answer, did not concern days, but it concerned years. And you can look back. Let's read back at Daniel uh, chapter 9 and verse 2. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So that 70 years right there, you have 77s. You have 70 periods of seven prophesied here in 24 through 27 of that ninth chapter. Uh, we know from Scripture that the last week in Daniel 9.27 is divided into two parts of three and a half years each. Daniel 7.25, Daniel 12.7, Revelation 11.2, 11.3, 12.5, 12.14, and 13.5. So the whole period of 77s, comes out to 490 years, which are determined, or in other words, are marked off, they're set aside from all other years and concern only Daniel's people, Israel, and the holy city, Jerusalem, okay? We're not talking here about Washington, D.C. We're not talking about Beijing, China. We're not talking about London, England, or any such uh, as that. We're talking about Israel and Jerusalem, 490 years. Six prophetic events are to take place during these 490 years relative to Israel and Jerusalem for six purposes. Let's look at them. First of all, it said to finish the transgression. The Hebrew word pasha means to revolt to rebel or to sin against lawful authority. It's often translated in the Bible, transgression. You have Psalm 51, 13, Isaiah 43, 27, and so forth. This transgression has reference to Israel in her rebellion against God. So it's important that we understand and make that distinction. It's in reference to Israel and her rebellion against God. This prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 foretells the culmination of that rebellion. The law was added because of the transgression until the seed should come. The law of God served as a schoolmaster to lead Israel to Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verses 17 through 25. Israel failed to receive the Messiah and was broken off in unbelief from God's favor as a nation. Let's say that again, as a nation. We understand that there are many, 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 many Jewish people coming to Christ today, even as we speak. Praise God for it. And so we're not talking about individuals. It's just like when we do mention judgment. That, you know, we believe we're seeing selective judgment in America. God is judging America. When we say that, there's still hope for the individual. See, there's still hope for the individual, but the nation as a whole would be experiencing that said judgment. Israel will not be fully received again until the second coming of Christ, who will turn ungodliness from Jacob and cause a nation to be born at once. That prophecy of a nation being born at once was partially fulfilled in 1948. But again, it does not find its acceptance and fulfillment. The scripture says, all Israel shall be saved. And what it's talking about there will be the remnant that is left after the end time battles and wars that Israel will have to encounter. So you can look at Romans 11, uh, 25 through 29, Isaiah 66, 7 through 10, Ezekiel 36, 24 through 30. And so the second thing it talks about, it says to make an end of sins. So we see that if Israel's sins collected in the form of concrete matter would fill the whole earth. 
for she has been in rebellion against God from her very beginning, and she will she will continue in rebellion until the fulfillment of this prophecy at the return of Christ. The end of sins will not be made until after the great tribulation, but from that time on, Israel will obey God forever. You can read Ezekiel chapter 36. Uh, you can read chapter 37, chapter 43, Zechariah 4, 1 through 21. Praise God. The third thing it mentioned was to make reconciliation or atonement for iniquity. So the Hebrew word avon is used here, and it means perverseness, to be crooked, to be wrung all out of course. 1 Samuel 20, 30. 2 Samuel 19, 19 is where that word is also used. Atonement was made on the cross for the whole world. Amen. You and I are saved today because of the cross. You and I are redeemed today because of the cross. Hallelujah. And it was made for the whole world. But Israel as a nation has not yet appropriated its benefits. Again, the nation as a whole, no. Individual Jewish people, yes, many have been saved, okay? So keep that in your understanding. Uh, it, but at the return of Christ, Israel will come to her Messiah, Zechariah 13, 1 through 7, Romans 11, 25 through 27. The fourth thing it talks about uh, in Daniel 9, 24 through 27 uh, is to bring in everlasting righteousness. So this is, this is the answer that God gave Daniel to his prayer that we read part of in verse two. When the transgression has been finished, the ends of sin will be made. The end of sins will be made. And the full benefits of the atonement will have been realized by Israel. Hallelujah. Then, then, after that, everlasting righteousness will be ushered in. And I'm going to give you this list of verses. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I want you to look them up uh, if you want to, you know, on your free time. Isaiah 9, 6 and verse 7. Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. Daniel 7, 13, 14, 18 and 27. Matthew uh, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Ezekiel 43, 7, and Romans 11, 25 through 29. The fifth thing that this prophecy deals with is to seal up the vision and the prophecy. You remember when we studied, I don't know, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, we studied the book of Revelation verse by verse, and we read it together, every single verse, and we had a, a good study on the book of Revelation. And we told you at that time, you see, Daniel was a sealed book. Revelation was not a sealed book, okay? Here, we're sealing up the vision and the prophecy. And this means to make an end of prophecies uh, by the fulfillment of those concerning Israel and Jerusalem. So basically what he's saying is that when these things come to pass, when, when the prophecies that God made to Israel become fulfilled, there will be no more prophecies uh, left. And, and that includes the eternity future prophecies are included in that. Uh, they've already been given. They're for all mankind. They're for the whole world, all of us. So it's closed out. There are no new prophecies that are outside of the Bible that are going to be given. I think that's important. Um, the word prophecy should be translated prophet as it sometimes is elsewhere. The end of the prophet. It means that there will be no need in eternity future. There will be no need for inspired men to rebuke Israel in attempt to lead them into the way of righteousness. Uh, it, it's not saying there that we don't have prophets in the New Testament. There's no verse that says that. And I might sit down and, and do a teaching in the near future on that most common verse, you know, that the unbelievers, unbelieving saints, sometimes, sadly and unfortunately, they want to use a scripture uh, to say that everything's done away with and the, 
gifts of the spirit are done away with, tongues are done away with, prophets are done away with. And they say it's because of when that which is perfect has come. But when that which is perfect has come, it's talking about this time right here. It's talking about after the great tribulation, after the battle of Armageddon, going on into the millennial reign and eternity future, we will have no need of those things because God will put away all sin and all evil. But right now we need the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Right now we need the gifts. We need the ministry gifts and we need the motivational gifts. So I'm going to leave that there because it really is outside of our topic today. The Bible boldly declares that all shall know the Lord from the least unto the greatest. Read it in Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 40 and also Isaiah 11 and verse 9. And sixthly, it says to anoint the most holy. This refers to the cleansing of the Holy of Holies, the temple and the city of Jerusalem from the abomination of desolation. That's coming, you know, during the time of the Antichrist is when the abomination of desolation will happen. Also, the sacrilege of the Gentiles into the establishment and anointing of the millennial temple, Isaiah's chapter 40 through chapter 43, Zechariah 6, 12, and 13. The most holy is never used of a person, nor would the Jews ever associate this term with their Messiah, who is distinguished from this term, in this passage by the title Messiah. So in other words, they would they would save the most holy for the holy of holy place in their terminology at this time. So this vision needs no explanation other than that of the angel who interpreted the vision to Daniel. Understanding that explanation, the association of it with other scriptures on the same subject, and then we can determine the time of its fulfillment. And this is where it gets really interesting. So let's, um, let's dig into it a little further. The 490 years are divided into three periods. I'll say that again. The 490 years are divided into three periods. The first period consisted meaning it's already happened, of seven sevens or 49 years, during which time the holy city, its street, and its walls were to be built even in troublous times. That's in verse 25. So that's, with that being said, we, we understand that the 490 years began with the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, and that would last unto the Messiah. There were three decrees given for the restoration of the city. The first decree was given during the first year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. You can read that in the book of Ezra. And also Isaiah chapter 44, uh, 28, 45, 1 through 4, 46, 11. Cyrus reigned for nine years. Then Cambyses, his son, reigned seven years. In the reign of Cambyses, the work on the temple and the city stopped. Okay, Ezra 4, 1 through 24. Darius I of profane history reigned for 35 years. In the second year of his reign, he reconfirmed the decree made by Cyrus, and the work was started up again. Praise God. The temple was finished in the sixth year of Darius' reign. Okay. But the city was not then restored. 57 years had passed since the decree was made. Exerces reigned 21 years, Daniel 11, 1 through 3, during which time the city was yet not yet completed even during his time. Artaxerxes reigned after Xerxes 20 years and then gave the third decree to Nehemiah to restore Jerusalem unto the Messiah. Nehemiah 2, 1 through 6 and verse 19, Daniel 9, 25 and 9, 26. Nehemiah restored the walls in 52 days after he reached Jerusalem. That, 
that is interesting to me because look how many years had gone by. The decree was given and then you've got all these years go by as enemies of the Lord try to come in, mock the work, stop the work, hinder the work, halt the work, you see, and it correlates to our personal lives in so many ways. I mean, when God gives you a vision for your life, something he wants you to do in his kingdom, then the enemy right away stops, he begins to try to stop you, to try to thwart your efforts. And we see that illustrated even in the building uh, of the temple for the Jews. But it only took Nehemiah 52 days after he reached Jerusalem. But that was not the full restoration. About seven sevens or 49 years after the third degree decree, and that was given in about 452. Okay, so we don't need all those dates in there, but the second period of this 490 years contains 62 sevens, or in other words, 434 years. Immediately after the first period of seven sevens, or 49 years, and it's continued without a break to the time when the Messiah was cut off, or when Jesus was crucified, that stopped. So now we have 483 years of the 490 that are left that were prophesied. I mean, we have seven years left that were of the 490 that was originally prophesied. And that's the third period that this is broken down. Uh, one seven-year period known as Daniel's 70th week hasn't happened yet. We're not in it now. It's called the Great Tribulation, and it will not start until after the rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to God forever. I am, a, I am firmly convinced, though I will not fall out with you over it, I am firmly convinced in the pre-trib rapture, okay? And immediately when that rapture is done, though many Bible scholars say it's possibly 75 days after the rapture, is when the peace treaty will be signed. Uh, it, it, it could even be longer than that and not do violence to the scripture. But immediately when that peace treaty is signed, that begins the final seven years. So I want to look at, at some purposes for the Great Tribulation. And these, these reasons uh, apply across the Bible, across the Word of God, you see these threads that are running through. How many of you have ever heard of the scarlet thread of redemption? The scarlet thread of redemption. That is a picture throughout the whole Bible that can be weaved, I should say woven together, of the Messiah coming to redeem Israel and the Savior of the world, which we know is Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for the sins of mankind and ultimately taking humanity back to everything it lost in Eden. Isn't that something? Our redemption involves so much more than simply you and I getting saved today and just living, you know, living life and dying and going to heaven. That's a great part of it. Thank God we're going to heaven but it also just includes taking this whole planet and all of its people back to its original state. That's what the word restore or restoration means. When you allow something to rest, you, you, it refreshes and restores, restores itself, see? That's the ultimate purpose as God First, a Messiah for the Jews. Secondly, at the same time, really, a Savior for the world. And so this is what Daniel was looking at. Now, you'll read about the Great Tribulation in the Word of God in Revelation chapter 6, verse 1 through 19, verse 21. And there's a first, there's there's two divisions. First division is three and a half years. Second division is also three and one half years. Um, 
I'm not going to get into the events of each section or division of the Great Tribulation, but here are eight reasons why I believe the Great Tribulation has to take place. And the first one, the very first one says to purify Israel and bring them back to a place where God can fulfill the everlasting covenants that he made with their fathers, with their ancestors. Amen. So God, if he promised it, he will keep his word. If he promised, he will do it. Amen. You can look at Isaiah 2, verse 6, Isaiah 3, verse 26, Isaiah 16, verses 1 through 5, 24, 1 through 25, Isaiah 26, 20, and 21, Ezekiel 20, verse 33, 34, Ezekiel 22, 17 through 22, praise God. And you can also look at Romans 11, 25 through 29. The second purpose of the tribulation will then be to purify Israel of all rebels. See, nobody's going to sneak. And this, this goes not only for Israel, but it goes for the Christian church as well. Nobody's going to sneak into the kingdom. Because God knows all hearts. He knows whether you believe or whether you don't. He knows what your motives are. And all, we could go on and on and on with that train of thought. But nobody's going to sneak into the, uh, the kingdom of God. And one of the purposes of the tribulation, the second purpose listed, is to purify Israel of all rebels. So let's look at Ezekiel uh, 20, verse 33 and 34. Let's just turn there, Ezekiel 20. And I think we'll see uh, in this particular passage, if I can find it here, uh, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 33. I believe we're going to see uh, a picture of this a little differently than maybe we have thought before. So Ezekiel 20, and uh, I'll get it in a moment here, verse 33. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand and with a stretched out arm and with fury, Poured out, will I rule over you? And I will bring you out from the people and will gather you out of the countries wherein ye are scattered, and with a mighty hand, a stretched out arm, and fury poured out. And the reason we included that scripture in there is because we know that the fury of God is mentioned relative to the Great Tribulation period. So let's go over these first two reasons again for the Great Tribulation. Number one, to purify Israel and bring them back to a place where God can fulfill the everlasting covenants that he made with, his, with their fathers. Number two, to purify Israel of all rebels. So in addition to what we just read, you can also look at Ezekiel 22, verses 17 through 22, you can look at Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. You can also look at Malachi 3, 3 and 4. And you will see and understand that the great portion or a great portion of the great tribulation centers around the people of Israel. And I'm going to leave that right there because I told you at the beginning of the message today, I'm not here to explain the Great Tribulation. I'm giving you reasons for it, some of them, uh, today. We discussed earlier that the Great Tribulation period will be Daniel's 70th week. 483 have already gone by, weeks of seven, and there's one week left, which means seven years. And that fits completely into the pattern. I don't see how you could really look at this in any other way. Daniel's 70th week is the Great Tribulation period. That is yet futuristic. And listen, we are not in it now. All right? Uh, somebody asked me the other day, and I'm going to go ahead and go out here on a limb. 
Um, somebody asked me the other day, do you believe that this vaccine is the mark of the beast? Absolutely not, because we don't have a beast yet. And they're not asking you to worship any beast yet. Okay, now I'm, I'm going to leave that there. You do what you want to. It's between you and your doctor and your family and your own health. I don't believe it's the mark of the beast, however. Now, could I be wrong? Yeah, I could be wrong. And if I say too much more, I'm going to locate myself. But uh, I, I think that this is yet futuristic. I do not believe that the Great Tribulation will begin until after the rapture of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to be doing an entire program in just the very near future, and it may take even more than one, where I'm going to lay out the reasons why I am a pre-trib rapture believer. All right. And it has nothing to do with, oh, we're going to escape before anything bad happens. I'm going to tell you right now, plenty of bad stuff is going to happen before the rapture. So you might as well just settle. But the Bible says that we are not appointed unto the wrath of God. OK, so we're not going to be here when God pours out his wrath on the wicked. We will be taken by that time. And we'll get into that in a future program. So the third reason uh, that God's going to allow the great tribulation uh, is to plead with and bring Israel into the bond of the new covenant. Let me say this. There is not one way for Israel to be saved and one way for you and I to be saved. There's one way to be saved, period. And it's by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and life. And that's the way for Israel to be saved. That's the way for you and I to be saved. That's the way for anybody in the world to be saved is by receiving Jesus. And one of the purposes of the tribulation, even though many Jewish people are giving their heart to Christ today, one of the reasons is to save the nation of Israel by bringing the remnant that's left after the Gog-Magog war in Ezekiel uh, uh, 30, 38 and 39, uh, the, the remnant that's left, the remnant that's left after the battle of Armageddon, after the tribulation and after the battle of Armageddon, they will be brought into purity, into the new covenant. They will accept Jesus. Ezekiel 20, 33 and 34. Ezekiel 36, 24 to 28. Jeremiah uh chapter 30, verses 3 through 11, Zechariah 12, verses 10 through 13, and Malachi 4, 3 and 4. The fourth reason will be to judge Israel and punish them for their rejection of the Messiah and make them willing to accept him when he comes the second time. So there, and, and, you know, when you read the book of Revelation and you see that there are angels of heaven that are flying through the air, this is the first time ever that it has happened on planet Earth during the Great Tribulation, and they will be preaching the everlasting gospel. So during this time of Jacob's trouble, during the Great Tribulation, a time of great woe and misery and distress, Angels will actually be flying through the air, preaching the gospel. Israel will begin to know who her Messiah is. And that's going to be a great day for them. So many of them, hallelujah, will accept the Lord Jesus Christ. So many of them. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 33, verse 34. Ze Zechariah 12, 10 through 13, 14, 1 through 15, and Matthew 24, uh, verses 15 through 31. The fifth reason for the Great Tribulation will be to judge the nations for their persecution of Israel. Isaiah 63, verses 1 through 5, Joel chapter 3, Revelation 6, 1, and Revelation, all the way through Revelation 19.21. So that brings me to another stopping off point. Let me say this. 
The Great Tribulation period, though I believe the, the greatest reasons that it happens is relative to the nation of Israel at that time, and also all of the historical, prophetical promises that God has made to the Jewish people. I believe it will center up in the Mediterranean. It will focus on the Mediterranean and the nations around Israel. But it will affect and it will have ramifications for every nation on the face of planet Earth. And one of the biggest reasons why is because mankind will be judged for their treatment of Israel. Man, nations will be judged. How did they treat Israel? And so we need to be very, very alert to what's going on in that part of the world today. It will affect uh, whatever is called the United States of America at that time. It will affect Europe. It will affect France. It will affect Central and South America. It will affect the islands of the sea as the Antichrist makes an all-out bid for world domination. It will affect, and greatly so, even though it will be centered up around Israel, the Jewish people, and the Mediterranean area. And so we're just going to leave that there for this particular teaching. Let's look at the sixth reason is to bring Israel to complete repentance. Zechariah chapter 12, verses 10 through 13. Romans chapter 11, verses 26 through 29. Matthew 23, verse 39. Also, the seventh reason is to fulfill the prophecies of Daniel 9, 24 through 27, and also Revelation 6, 1 through 19, 21. In other words, the Great Tribulation. These prophecies will be fulfilled. fulfilled. And so for the final reason, it's to cause Israel to flee into the wilderness of Edom and Moab and to be so persecuted by the nations that Israel will have no choice but to turn to God for help. And I want to give you the list of these reference verses so that you can look it up in your own time. And then we're going to go ahead and we are going to uh, wrap this up with kind of a recap of everything we said here today. The, the eighth reason, you remember, to cause Israel to flee into the wilderness of Edom and Moab and to be so persecuted by the nations of the world that Israel will have to turn to God for help. Read Isaiah 16, 1 through 5, Ezekiel 20, 33 through 35, Daniel 11, 40, and Daniel 12, 7, Hosea 2, 14 through 17, Matthew 24, uh, 15 through 31, and also factor in on that 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. The, the Great Tribulation period uh, is God's wrath being poured out upon mankind for their wickedness and their corruption, which will exceed the days of Noah and Lot. So it'll be, it'll be uh, a, a lot more, uh, how do you say it? It will be with more power as God does this for the final time. Men will reject the truth until God turns them over to the strong delusions of the Antichrist, who will cause them to believe the lie and be damned. And that's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, and in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 9. Even after God pours out his judgments upon men, and this is men, this let, let me clarify this one more time. Uh, I feel in my spirit that I should. It's not, even though these reasons that we listed today pertain to Israel pretty exclusively, but it's not exclusive. It's, it's top reasons why God's going to allow the Great Tribulation, but he's doing it to be redemptive. He wants to bring Israel back to the Messiah. He wants them to receive Jesus Christ. And so in a redemptive effort to save Israel, I want you to think of this for a moment. 
Let's just take our nation, uh, for those of you that it is, the United States of America. We have had 300 years. And, I, you know, I'm not talking from birthday to the end, but I'm talking, you know, three, four, five hundred years people have been coming to the shores of what is now the United States of America. Explorers and uh, those who were seeking gold and treasure, Indians that lived here, others who passed through here. And we have had a very strong history of the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached from and lifted up in this nation. We've had all this time to hear the witness of Jesus Christ, that he is the savior of the world and that man should live in righteousness before the Lord. All of the truth of the word of God has been proclaimed for hundreds of years from America around the world. So too, most other nations of the world, not all, but many, have had a strong gospel witness. How serious do you think it is to God when nations such as today, when nations begin to spurn the gospel, to reject the witness? So, when we arrive at this period of time, Daniel's 70th week, God is ready to judge all men, mankind, let's say humankind. God is ready to judge us for the sin that we have allowed, for the sins that we have committed, for the rejection of God on a worldwide basis. So even though we believe that many of the events you read about in the book of Revelation will take place in the area of the Mediterranean, and it certainly seems to be the case as you read it, you study uh, geopolitical divisions that are in the world today, it certainly appears that you know Babylon is Babylon. I don't believe necessarily that Babylon refers to New York City. I think Babylon refers to Babylon. Sometimes they call Jerusalem Babylon. That's still in the area there, see? So while these events may be uh, ground zero, it's going to have a worldwide effect. And God is going to judge the whole world, not just nations around the Mediterranean. He's not going to just be judging Israel. At the time of the Great Tribulation, it speaks of God's wrath being poured out upon humankind and it separates from that the Jewish people. It separates uh, the Jewish people from the rest of humankind who during the tribulation are experiencing the wrath of God. God's purposes for the, for the nations is one thing. His purpose for Israel is another thing. It's redemptive. He wants to bring Israel into the new covenant, and it will most certainly take place. God has promised that all Israel will be saved, right? So if God has promised it, it's going to happen. Even after God judges, read the book of Revelation, even after all these horrible judgments come all over the world, men will still defy God they still will not repent. Read Revelation 9, 20, and 21, Revelation uh, 6, 2 through 11, Revelation 17, 1 through 18, Revelation 18, 1 through 24, and you will, you will see a picture of that. So let's recap here, Daniel's 70th week. This prophecy concerns Israel primarily, Again, though, it will have ramifications for the entire world. The holy city, Jerusalem, this is crucial for the last days of this age. The word translated weeks here means, and we discussed this earlier, a period of 490 years. Six specific things. We talked about those. You can go back and re-listen. And at the end, at the very end, 
of the Great Tribulation, after the Battle of Armageddon, at the very end, Jesus Christ will be anointed as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Very similar to the way that David was anointed king. Praise God. And the holy oil will flow. Glory to God. And that, that oil is used as a type of the Holy Spirit. It will light our world, his presence will. And he will begin to remake and refashion planet Earth that has suffered for thousands and thousands of years under the ravages of sin. The seven weeks, three score and two weeks, we talked about that uh, until the crucifixion when Messiah came and was crucified. That took up 483 years. After the seven weeks and the three score and two years, the total of 69 weeks, 483 years. So again, I want to emphasize at the close of this that the week is a week of years referred to in this prophecy. Each week is a week of years. So 483 of those weeks of years have already expired. Jesus was crucified and the people of the prince that shall come would destroy Jerusalem and the temple and that happened in AD 70. The prince of the people that shall come the people are the Roman army, which destroyed it in AD 70. The prince jumps ahead and refers to the end time Antichrist. So the church age, now listen to this. The, you would ask, well, what happened to the 70th week? The church age is the interval between the 69th and the 70th week. And that is where we are right now. We are in the interval. Now, in verse 27, when it says that this prince that shall come, meaning the end-time Antichrist in that 70th week, he will confirm the covenant for one week. He's going to make a seven-year covenant, a seven-year peace treaty with the people of Israel, and he will break that covenant. The prince who makes the covenant with Israel, Antichrist. He will be unrevealed at the time of making this covenant. Most likely he has not shown his true purposes or announced himself, hi, I'm the Antichrist and I'm here to make a covenant with you. At this point, when, when that covenant is made at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, evidently a peace treaty will be negotiated by the Antichrist and between Israel and its enemies concerning a land dispute. And you could read Daniel eleven thirty nine for that information. In the middle of the seven years, after three and one half years, the Antichrist will break his covenant with Israel. He will declare himself to be God and take over the temple in Jerusalem. He will forbid the worship of the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. He will devastate the Holy Land and he will reign for an additional three and one half years. And that's the culmination of this prophecy then will result in Jesus returning. It will result in Jesus being crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which in reality, he already has been crowned in the heavenly. And so now it must follow in the earthly, everything in heaven. Everything on earth is patterned after that which is in heaven. So the, and, and we didn't get into this, but the prophecy, the significance prophetically of the abomination of desolation will be known only to God's faithful. You can read Daniel 12 verses 10 and 11 and see that. Jesus said that believers must take heed. Believers must take heed concerning this pivotal sign, for it will bring the final three and one half year countdown to his coming to earth in glory. Okay, so of course it would be referring to tribulation saints, believers who are alive at that time, 
believers in the great tribulation during that time frame will know that Christ's coming is near even at the door, Matthew 24:33. The coming of the Messiah, 2 Thessalonians 2:8, Revelation 19:11 verses 11, verse 11 through verse 20 will occur at the end of the seven years or the second three and one half years. At the end of it. Okay, now Reve the book of Revelation confirms the time by stating twice that the Antichrist will have power for 42 months. Revelation 11, 1 and 2 and Revelation 13, 4 through 6. So what I want to say and include in that thought is this. When the great tribulation begins, the Antichrist will come as a man of peace. It is unclear from scripture, and so it does no good to speculate whether or not he will know who he is, or whether that comes to him when Satan enters into him as the Bible declares. I don't know. Uh, I don't know anywhere where it tells us, but I do know that he will be very deceptive. He will come offering peace, but he will turn out to be a man of war and a man of destruction. And he wants to destroy the entirety of the people of God, be they Jewish or otherwise. And so again, I place the rapture before the seven years. Many people place the rapture before the final three and a half years for some of the reasons that I've just mentioned, but I don't believe it's accurate. I believe he comes before the seven because that seven year period, re, you know, that's what restarts the clock of God's dealing with Israel. I'm getting into another message, but Right now, God's time clock where Israel is concerned has been stopped at the end of the 69th week. And God's focus and attention right now is on the Christian church, the body of Christ. Amen. But that at the beginning of the 70th week, the dispensation of the church, the dispensation of grace will be over and God will once again turn his focus to Israel. And so this, this Antichrist comes offering peace, but really he's for war. That's prophesied in the book of Psalms. I did not write that verse down to tell you here, but it is. And so as we look at all of this, we understand that we are very close. I believe we are very, very, very close to the start of that 70th week. And Jesus gave us end time birth pain signs, birth pain, P-A-N-G, signs that would take place and they would begin to happen more frequently and they would begin to take place all at once. We're seeing it all in our world today. Ezekiel told us that there are going to be the the nations surrounding Israel that will begin to make war against Israel. We're seeing that it's literally in the news right now, every single day. So when you take all prophetic information and begin to see the Holy Spirit piece it together, we come away with the understanding that we must be close. And so my call to you, child of God today, that's listening to me on this program, as an evangelist, I find myself preaching messages on, on just the end of this year so very often. My call to you and to me, to all of us who name the name of Jesus, is to continue to get your lives right before God. Get right. Do right. Believe like you've never believed before for the great harvest, the last days in gathering of souls that was prophesied to take place. Um, get your life right with God. Get your, get your life right with others. Do right and be right because Jesus is coming back very, very soon. 
and we don't want to get lazy in the in spiritual things. You remember the parable of the ten virgins when Jesus came. Five of them had oil. Five of them were walking in the light, i.e., and the other five had no oil, groping in darkness, could not see, begging the five who had oil to give them some. That is not God's best for any Christian on the face of the earth. I'll tell you that right now. So before we get to the rapture, get it right. Before we get to the rapture, get back to church. Before we get to the rapture, put the alcohol away. Before we get to the rapture, Stop extramarital or premarital sex in, in your life. Get it out. Purify. The Bible says if you have the hope of the coming of the Lord, that hope will purify you. And the Lord is coming back for a pure people, for a holy people without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Praise be to God forevermore. And so as we see these things and grow in our understanding of these things, let's not forget the importance of the practical, everyday, day-to-day -day living that you and I must be involved in as believers. Hallelujah to God. So we pray for so many things. Unity in the body of Christ, love. We pray for hope. We pray for healing, we all of these things as never before, as with an urgency, glory be to God, because the rapture of the church. And another point I wanted to make, you know how it talked about there uh, at the end, I, I began to mention that at the midway point of the great tribulation period, the last three and a half years, you know, people who are alive then Many of them will have become believers. And, you know, we, we automatically know from the word of God that many who become believers in the, during the great tribulation will be beheaded. But it doesn't really say that no one of them will make it. There may be some alive when Christ returns. I mean, the scripture doesn't really say that there won't be. It just says that many will be beheaded. All right, but they will know from the moment that that abomination of desolation breaks the treaty, they will know exactly how many days it will be before Jesus comes back. And that's another reason why I believe the rapture takes place before the great tribulation because Jesus said no man knows the day or the hour. But then also in the word of God, the Lord gives us the days, exact number of days that are left from the desolation in the temple. And so I would have to believe that the rapture is not known to anyone. The second coming, though, will be known to anyone who has wisdom, Scripture says, at that time, not now, that it isn't for us to have that particular brand of wisdom right now, but for believers alive during the tribulation, they will be able to figure out the day of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to God. You and I need to be ready for the return of Christ every single day. Because the rapture, no man knows the day or the hour. Well, I pray it's been a blessing to you today. I wanted to take, uh, I was going to toss that teaching in with our Book of Revelation series, and we didn't make it uh, during that time. So I wanted to include that now before we move on into uh, other subjects that we're coming up into. Angie and I are looking forward to seeing many of you out there on the road yet this summer. We have on August 14th, we'll be up north near Wolverine, Michigan, and we'll be preaching uh, one service only, one service only. So uh, if you would like more information on that, you can email me at office at acts2618.com, and we'll fill you in on all the details. We're looking forward to it, and we're looking forward to seeing you out there on the trail.
working for the Lord Jesus Christ, working feverishly to bring souls into the kingdom. If for no other reason, come to sit with us and pray with us as we endeavor to present an evangelistic message at that time. So I pray that you're all blessed. I pray that this, I call you blessed. I call you joyful in Jesus. Hallelujah. And this is Brother Paxton saying, go with God and he will go with you. God bless you is my prayer for your life.